1: The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM.
0: Okie dokie, artichokey, here we go. The Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning, broadcasting high above a sunny, beautiful downtown Grand Rapids, Michigan. Thank you, very much for those of you tuning in on your iHeartRadio app, and all of you across the rooted plain. Thank you, entrepreneurs all. It's the Flowerland Show. Rick Weist here, Doug Christie, seated alongside, left to right across your radio dial. Engineer-producer extraordinaire John Ilk is at the controls and has us aloft this morning. And George Arthur behind the glass. He'll take your calls. Our number is 616-774-2424. Doug Christie, good good morning. Good morning. It's going to be a big day today. We've got a lot to cover, a lot of great stories, a lot of people working in their landscape. Just some of the best October weather we've seen in a long, long time. And now we've had some rain also to add to the mix, so here we go. A great weekend for gardening. We'll talk you through it here on the Flowerland Show. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four 2424 is our number on the program. We're going to talk some fruit today, too. We're going to check in with my friend Tom Molker, Molker Orchards, and see what kind of uh, season we had for fruit, where they're at. i picking the apple crop. Uh, they should be Wrapping up here, if not I already think so, yeah. wrapped up. Yeah.
2: The calendar says that. I don't know if the weather says
0: yeah. that. But yeah. I was
3: going to say, what they haven't picked the deer have. So.
0: <laughs> unusual, unusual weather. Also, with us in the studio for the full two hours, folks, back by popular demand. As a matter of fact, uh, let's pull your mic right up to you there. Mike, Mike Connor. he's uh, with Honey Tree Arborist Services. Now, Mike, folks, is an arborist, and he's a tree physician, But the the way a lot of people know Mike is the fact that he's founder of the Grand Rapids Bee Club. As a matter of fact, Mike has been do uh, has been doing beekeeping for fifty years. He's not that old. (laughs) No, he's not. He's not that old. By the way, let me make sure that I've got Mike dialed up here. Turn
2: him on. All right, there you you welcome everyone. There we are. You're not fifty. Okay. <laughs> are, you, are
0: you north of 50, Mike? Can we say that? <laughs> I wish I were 50 again. <laughs> so Mike Connor, uh, bee expert. We're going to talk about the state of bees in Michigan. And, and some of it, as it relates to the fact, guys, like Christy, do you know what bees do in the winter? Do they watch TV? What do, what do bees do in the winter? They
3: gather in a tight little ball and say, gee, it's cold outside.
0: <laughs> yeah, something along that line. So we're going to find out from Mike and, of course, who doesn't like honey, right? That's
4: right. I mean, That's you right. use
0: honey in in everything, on a piece of toast, in your tea.
4: What's your favorite way to use honey? Uh, Mike, personally, I have it every morning on my toast. Yeah. I have local honey from my own bees on my toast every morning.
0: But it tastes so good and and any, you know, anything that tastes good often isn't good for you, but honey is good for
4: you. It's it. very good for you considering the alternatives. I'd rather have you eat honey than sugar or any of the artificial sweeteners.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So somebody who's been beekeeping for 50 years, does it amaze you the explosion and interest in pollinators and beekeeping over the past few years?
4: You know, we had a similar interest in bees back in the 70s. Mm -hmm. And everyone wanted to have a couple of chickens and a hive of bees in their backyard. And a lot of people did. And then that fad kind of phased out and we're seeing a resurgence of that we're seeing a lot of new beekeepers coming in because people are concerned about bees and people want to have you know the chicken in the backyard mm-hmm. and and have their own eggs and have their own garden which is good for you guys and uh, hive of bees to pollinate flowers in their garden so i hope we can talk about that today
0: oh yeah it'd be great beauty is in the eye of the bee holder right oh so and what we'll started already And what's
4: a bee's favorite
0: flower what's a bee's favorite flower a uh,
4: begonia
0: oh yeah, nice <laughs> well that's even worse oh <laughs> for a second there i thought you were pollen my leg oh <laughs> can
4: i go well, home you now know, you can you can hive it your way <laughs>
0: oh, oh 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 mike's Prepared You're going to run out that. of these things soon? <laughs> we can only uh, hope.
4: Uh, we'll probably drone on for a while. Yeah.
0: Oh. <laughs> 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Also today, I want to touch on the subject. Uh, I did a quick YouTube video this past week, and we have that posted on Facebook. Just look for Flowerland. Uh, have that posted there. It's on YouTube, uh, on my personal page, too, if you want to look for it. Uh, as it relates to the fact, guys, money grows on trees, I'm just amazed by the fact that in our suburbs, in our neighborhoods, when the leaves fall off the trees, we do everything we can to get rid of them. We bag them, we tag them, we mow them, we rake them. We, we blow, we blow them into the neighbor's yard. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I wonder if, if my lakeshore neighbor is listening right now. Sometimes he does, but I and I hate to admit this, but he, there's one neighbor he waits until. Uh, They have the garage door open and then he blows the leaves into their yard, Oh! fill the garage full of leaves. (laughs) Yeah. Anyhow, so money grows on trees, NPK, nitrogen, phosphorus, potash, it's all there in those leaves and fertilizer costs money. So why not use this resource that's falling at our feet and the really cool thing? Is that uh, the uh, the phosphor? Uh, no, the potash element, the potassium element. You know, mom always told you to eat your bananas, so you were strong and vigorous,
3: right? I was always told to eat my vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> bananas. <Do laughs> mom you... never said eat your bananas.
0: <laughs> quick, quick in in house survey, Christy. Do you like bananas? Love them. How about you, Doug? I
2: had one this morning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, John. Do you like bananas? Love them. Okay, and Mike.
4: Only with honey.
0: Only with honey. Okay. <laughs>
3: See, Rick I'm, can't do bananas. The texture. So, I. I, I what had, do you feel about Rick? Hang on a minute. I,
0: I had bananas this morning, but they were in my smoothie. I there have to go. grind them up into a smoothie. But just peeling a banana and chewing on it, that
3: texture just. See, I feel that way about mushrooms. Really? No.
0: 774 Oh,
2: you people are weird.
0: Our number here on the Flowerland show. So, anyhow, this is based on. Rutgers University, they, uh, they did 100 municipal leaf samples, and they test them to see how much NPK as well as micronutrients, important micronutrients like calcium, iron, zinc, manganese is in that foliage, and it's there. But I think the key is grinding them up finely to make them available so to your plants.
3: I'm going to ask the magic question. Sure. Is, is there one particular tree that's a better source mm. than others?
0: Excellent question. They did the 100 municipal leaf samples, and we still find that maple is the best. And I think I, I would surmise that probably maple the best only because it breaks down slowly based on microbial action. That would be my opinion. So microbial decomposition is uh, effective but rather slow. And so it's almost like applying a slow-release fertilizer to your lawn. So there you have it. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. We've got an open line if you want to jump on it. Let's get George Busy over there behind the glass and uh, uh, lining up the phone calls. Mike, after the break, we're going to ask you what bees do in the winter. Do they hang out and watch TV? What do they do?
4: Is there a joke involved
0: here? No, no, I really <laughs> want to know. All right. <laughs> bee leaf it, man. No. All right, break on the Flowerland show. Cultivate a little commerce, then back with more a bee special, fruit special, and yeah, don't call me a fruitcake there, Christy.
3: <laughs> I was resisting. We'll be right
0: back. Stay tuned. Wood Radio's
1: Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. How can it
0: be permissible? All right, as Austin Powers would say, OB oh, Hive, it's oh. the Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning special guest, Mike Conner. On the program, founder of the Grand Rapids Bee Club. Before we go to busy phone lines, we've got uh, full phone lines right now. Mike, let me ask you, what do bees do in the wintertime? Do they hang out? Do some of them die? What happens?
4: Well, that's a really good question. Thank you. What do they do? They maintain honey in their populations through the wintertime. They don't all die out. Okay. They, They form a cluster inside the hive, and they constantly rotate from center to outside, and from outside to center to keep themselves as an organism warm. Mm. And the uh, hive temperature is maintained at, in the 90s until January, and then it drops down into the 50s, and by the end of January, 1st of February, the queen starts laying eggs again and starts to raise more baby bees. So they raise the temperature. And they wow. do that by vibrating their wings and by constantly rotating from outside to center and center to outside. Fascinating. It's, it's a fascinating thing. And, yeah. and they begin. They have to use uh, honey that they have stored in order to generate that heat. Okay. But honeybees are unique in that they get through the winter as a large population of insects. So when the first flowers are out in the spring, you have a population of thousands coming out of a hive instead of a population of one which is what our native bees come out as okay okay so they're ready to do the pollinating that we need in the spring whereas the native bees have to build up their population in the spring
0: so that's why the minute we have a warm day in spring whether it be march or april and let's say the red maples are just Mm -hmm. starting to bud up or Mm -hmm. whatever that's why you see them already
4: that's right that's right we have the populations out there and they need those trees in order to gather pollen and nectar to feed their babies
0: Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's start with Mike in Grand Rapids. Mike, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Good morning.
5: Uh, I planted a uh, large plum tree, flowering plum, and a uh, birch tree in the yard yesterday. And how often should I water it in the fall?
0: That's a great question, Mike. Because How Doug, long
2: should you water it into fall is probably a better question.
0: Yeah, because, uh, Doug, we always tell people this time of the year, don't put away your garden. Exactly,
2: tourism. exactly. And every day is going to be different. You know, the sunny days, windy days are going to take more uh, moisture out of the ground, out of the tree. Uh, obviously, we're going to start losing foliage, so that's not a big deal, but we do want to keep that root ball uh, nice and moist. So, you know, today's going to be a great day to water, but it looks like we have some rain coming during the week, so probably not so much. Uh, but you want to continue to water well into the fall.
0: And okay. probably a layer of mulch at the base will help too, Mike, okay? Great, thank you. Thank you very much. Linda is up next. Linda, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Hi, Linda. How can we help you, Linda?
6: Well, I have yellowing leaves on several things, my Newly planted hibiscus tree okay. and the wisteria vine and also on a very old hibiscus bush. And I've been spraying bug spray, and it doesn't seem to be changing
0: any. Yeah, no, I want not Put your spray away. Yeah, put yeah. the spray
3: away. It's not a bug issue. When we say no.
0: hibiscus, Linda, what, what kind of hibiscus are we talking about? Is this <clears throat> like an althea bush, or is it the tropical hibiscus? What is it?
6: I would say it's probably more of a tropical hibiscus. So, it's been really adjacent to my house next door to my neighbors for 23 years. Sounds, okay. okay. Sounds like perennial.
0: It's a hardy. But is this, this isn't something you bring indoors in winter. No. Oh, no. okay. So then it's not a tropical hibiscus. No, okay. Does no, it get the big dinner plate blooms on it in summer? Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not unusual to see some yellowing of foliage and start to see some of the foliage uh, drop off. We have seen some of that with the drought conditions that we had in September, and that contributed to it. But if this is a well-established plant and we're getting some yellowing right now and some drop of the foliage, I don't think I'd be too worried about it. Uh, The hardy hibiscus are, well, they're a hardy sort, and they're herbaceous, so they die back to the ground in winter. Uh, So really not all that critical. Now, one other thing would be, if it is a hardy perennial hibiscus, guys, they like as much sun as possible. So if, if a shade canopy has developed in that area over the years, then you might want to consider moving it. But if it gets plenty of sun during the day, then it's a good spot
2: for it. But it's late, you know, October. We're starting to see yep. plants shut down, and I think probably Rick's right as far as the moisture levels. And part of it's just natural, n- natural timing. Mm-hmm.
7: So. Even for
6: all three of them? Mm-hmm,
2: sure. Yep. Well, a little stress and a little fall will make it come on quicker.
6: Okay, well, the hibiscus bush I had... I thought I heard one time when you were talking that if it's a very old one, which this is 23 years old, and it does develop yellow leaves really midsummer, that you could actually
0: trim those way back. Well, then
2: I would do feeding, more feeding if it's midsummer.
0: Yes, you can feed them. And Uh, and again, again, Linda, if we're talking about an herbaceous perennial hibiscus, Mm -hmm. remember a 23-year-old clump is sizable and uh, what many people will do is dig them up in spring and divide them Uh, it will rejuvenate well based on division so that's something you may want to consider also thanks for your call linda appreciate it let's talk to dan in rockford next dan good morning you are on the flowerland show
8: yeah good morning um i have some a pine tree and it drops pine needles in the yard. Mm-hmm. Are they any good for anything? I'll listen for your answer, and I'll leave you alone.
0: Thank you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Dan, absolutely. I love it when the white pines start to shed their needles. And, Doug, in some parts of the country, uh, they don't use bark mulch. In they the use the needles. Yeah, it's yeah, a big thing Yeah, in they the even south.
2: actually paint the the uh, needles uh, to give it the more give a color to, to give it some color you know huh. give it a little bit different color mulch yeah yeah so
0: I think that but that's probably
2: what it's good for and that's probably only what it's good yeah, for yeah I wouldn't you know.
3: use it for anything else I think it's ideal
0: as a mulch around rhododendrons azaleas that sort of thing would be uh, would be great uh, Ken in Conklin next Ken good morning you are on the Flowerland show
5: hey good morning uh, I have a question about cannas I've been pulling them out every year. They get about five to six feet high and drying the bulbs off and storing them and then putting them back in the spring. Now, this year I was thinking of pulling two of them out with all their bulbs and leaving
0: one Candace plant in the ground.
3: Yes. Kiss it goodbye. Well, not Not necessarily.
2: (laughs) There is a way to do it.
0: And there are a lot of people who will do exactly. Ken, you are an entrepreneur. You are right. There are a lot of people who will do that with Callas, Dahlias, Glad's, Canna's. Kind of uh, and experiment with whether or not they can fool Mother Nature. Maybe with a good layer of mulch, or if it's planted near a foundation, to actually get them to overwinter. I think it's worth the experiment, Ken. And I think you're smart. And,
2: and I've done that for years. Pull them out, get them next to the foundation, and then mulch them well.
0: Yeah. So well, I've got them in Caledonia,
5: Sault Saint Marie. I keep handing them up. They don't die. They're like, oh, cool. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're here on
2: Saturday mornings too. You can drop some off. To all my
3: enemies, because they can't get rid of them. They <laughs> of so it's like zucchini. <laughs> yeah.
5: Well, I want to thank you, uh, entrepreneur folks, there, and I will try a, a experiment. Then I'll I'll pull two of them out, separate the bulbs, and leave one in the ground and see what happens.
0: Sounds good, Ken. Keep us composted on your progress. All right.
5: Okay, I'm staying grounded.
0: Thank you very much. You are an <laughs> entrepreneur. Mike Connor, our special guest on the program today, he's a bee expert, founder of the Grand Rapids Bee Club. Mike, uh, for people who are interested in starting the hobby of beekeeping, tough to get started or not? A lot of expense? Let me start there. Is there a lot of expense initially? You know, I
4: won't lie, there is a lot of expense to getting started with beekeeping. And what I always recommend to people who want to get started with keeping bees is, first of all, read. Attend a local bee club. That's Mm -hmm. very important Mm -hmm. that they talk to other beekeepers, maybe shadow a beekeeper that they know, uh, follow him around. Kind of follow him around. Yeah, follow him around. (laughs) It's called stalking in Rick's world. Rick does it a lot. Rick stalks a lot
0: of people. (laughs) They're going to call the
4: cops, Mike. Well, okay. You need to let them know that you're shadowing. (laughs) Oh, oh, okay. But, uh, you know, I I don't encourage people to get into it lightly. People get into it with, you know, Uh, The idea that it's easy and it's not anymore. It it may have been back in the 70s, you know, put a hive of bees in your backyard, leave it alone, get the honey, and it'll make it through the winter. But that's not the case anymore. Things have changed. So I recommend that people read, that they attend bee classes, that they maybe uh, go to a bee club, that they check out a lot of information on YouTube. I know it's not all accurate, but that's okay. but well, become educated because it can be expensive, and nothing is more discouraging than starting out putting a thousand dollars into having bees in your backyard or so, and uh, and then have them die because you made a mistake or because yeah. you got hit up with parasitic mites. Oh, and you
0: will. I hate it when that
3: happens. <laughs> yeah, we've had to take Rick to the doctor several times this year. <laughs>
0: All right, well, that's well rooted uh, advice. By the way, Mike, I was going to ask you uh, what kind of candy do bees collect at Halloween? Do you know the answer? To that um, one?
4: I do not. What kind? Biddle honey.
0: You got, well, good Bit try. That's good, Christy. No, actually, bees prefer bumble gum. Bumbo gum. You may use that one. Do they even
3: make bit of honey anymore? Yeah, they do. Oh yeah, it's that whole chunky discussion again. They're (laughs) they're gross. When you see
0: them in your Halloween trick or treat bag and it looks like someone's unwrapped them and rewrapped them, you know.
2: Yeah. I don't have a Halloween trick or treat bag, do you? I do. I don't go anymore.
3: (laughs) Seriously? You don't go trick or treat anymore?
0: (laughs) Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Our number here on the Flowerland show. We've got an open line. The trick is to find a
3: random little kid and just walk around like you're with them. Then you still get the candy and people don't think you're weird. Is that called shadowing? Yeah. No, it's called stalking. (laughs) You got to watch out for the parents.
0: (laughs) I dump the uh, I dump the Biddle honeys, the Tootsie rolls, and the Necco wafers.
3: I love Tootsie rolls. So
0: do I, but they're gross when someone just hands you, they just look like somebody rewrapped them.
3: It's just <laughs> gross. All right. Well, they do. You you unwrap them, you lick them, and then you rewrap them and hand them all. <laughs>
0: Oh, my word. <laughs> we will uh, take a break here on the Flowerland Show. We're going to update you with the news next in the next half hour. More bee talk with Mike Connor. We're also going to check in with my friend Tom Molker from Molker Orchard
1: Play for free at
6: LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Just talk apples and pollination for a few moments, and of course your calls. Let's uh, line up some more phone calls here. Give George Arthur a call, and he'll line you up here on the Flowerland Show. The news is next here on News Radio Wood 1300 106.9 FM.
1: if you plant it mow it or grow it they know it now more of rick doug and christie and the flowerland garden show on wood radio
0: all right maintain your sense of humus we're here for you the flowerland show on your saturday morning rick doug christie news radio wood 1300 1069 fm special guest in the studio today Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services. He's an arborist and founder of the Grand Rapids Bee Club. Also waiting in the green room here is my good friend Tom Molker from Molker Orchards. A busy time of the year for them. We'll check in with Tom here in just a moment. But uh, Mike, Laura from Muskegon is calling in with a bee question. So let's talk to Laura first. Laura, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show.
5: Hi, I was just wondering why bees don't stick to their own honey, and I'm, I'm also wondering uh, if ashes from a fire pit are good fertilizer.
0: Okay, let me uh, let's handle the ashes a minute, uh, Christy. That's potash, right?
3: Correct, and 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 in limited quantities because it has to be incorporated. Yes, it's good as long as you're burning clean wood. If you're burning old pallets or packing crates or something like that you're taking a chance that there's some sort of residue in that wood, some sort of treatment to that wood. If you're just burning tree branches and stuff like that, you know, campfire style, then you're fine.
0: All right, Mike, uh, so Laura, I don't fully understand your bee question. What what were you looking for?
6: I just wondered if they stick to their own honey. If they uh, stick
0: know. to their uh, own honey.
4: You mean physically stick to it, to it or <laughs> <laughs> Is that the question?
3: That's my question.
4: I don't know. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Probably the same reason why skunks don't smell their own scent. I mean. I,
4: I've never been asked that question. That's a, that's a newbie for me. I would think that they don't stick because, well, they're very well adapted for what they do, and when they bring the, the nectar in, they put it into cells where they convert it into honey, and then they cover those cells up with a wax cover. Uh-huh. And when they go to consume that honey... They take the wax cover off and they just put their proboscis or their straw-like tongue down into that honey and they, they consume it that way. So they're really not exposing themselves to the honey. When we're messing around with the hives and we break open some, uh, some comb, we'll see the bees get stuck to it. And the other bees come right along and lick it off so that that bee is free. I don't wow. know if they're concerned about that bee. They're just after that honey that's spilled <laughs> out.
3: Party! So I hope oh, that answers
0: okay. your question.
5: Thanks a You're Thank welcome. you,
0: Laura. Great question. Appreciate that. 774-2424. Our number here on the Flowerland Show. If you want to pick up that open line, go ahead and do that right now. Don't need a green thumb. Any finger will do. Just dial it up. 616-774- 2424. With us on the live line this morning, Tom Molker from Molker Orchards. Tom, good morning to you.
9: Good morning, Rick, and uh, the rest of the gang there.
0: How... Morning. How has the apple season been so far this fall, Tom? Are you guys done picking apples?
9: We're really close. A uh, couple really late varieties that uh, aren't quite ready yet. Granny Smith is one of those, a real long season one, and uh, Pink Lady, but everything else uh, we've got harvested, and uh, it's been a good harvest.
0: Yeah, being able to look back on the season, you know, we had a wet, cool May, uh, and then we had some drought during September. Uh, uh, Tom, uh, what, what's your general overall feeling on, on the crop and the season for 2017?
9: Well, our crop here on this farm was very good. Um, we we're able to irrigate most of what we've got planted here, so the, the dry was not that much of an issue for us. But, uh, yeah, if you didn't have irrigation, it could it could result in some smaller fruit. Um, wet spring, that seems to be normal lately. Um, too much water in the spring and then not enough in the summer. Uh, The only thing that we did have going on in September, we had that one week of 90 degree temperatures and that really pushed us to get some things harvested that were ripening quicker because of the heat, but uh, we were able to stay on top of it and really came through with a a very nice harvest.
0: Tom, we have uh, Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services and the founder of Grand Rapids Bee Club here uh, in studio with us this morning, and I would guess uh, with your orchard, uh, obviously pollination issues in spring are a big deal for you, aren't they?
9: Oh yeah, you bet. Uh, that's the key to, to having a crop at all. And uh, We rent bees from a local beekeeper. Uh, we've been working with him for years, um, and they do a good job. If you've got the good weather for, for pollination, which is uh, a day or two only really, is what we need of of good pollinating weather. Um, And we usually can find that within the the two weeks of uh, blossom time. So um, things came away pretty well this year, um, and the bees did a good job.
0: Tom, uh, and and I'm glad the bees did a good job. You know, that that would make me nervous as someone who owned an orchard because, like, you know if I go to a rental place and I rent a, a core aerator or whatever I'm concerned about bringing it back in good condition with the fuel in it so that they don't need extra how do those bees know that their rental time is up
9: <laughs> Just when they get moved out at night uh, they wake up in a different place in the morning and uh, I've done that a few times <laughs> yeah, I hear you. I hear you. <laughs> No, uh, they move them in at night and uh, in the morning when they wake up they come out and they look around and fly around in circles till they get themselves acclimated to where they are and uh, spend a couple weeks here and then uh, another evening or at night they move them out and into another crop quite often it's blueberries after apples and then uh, same same process goes on again.
0: Wow. Hey, I would encourage folks to uh, to read Tom's blog. Uh, I read it all the time. Tom, you do a great job with your blog. Great information, a good sense of humus there also. And, of course, visit uh, Molker Orchards. Uh, Tom, you want to tell people where you're located and what your website is?
9: Yeah, we're on Kennewa Avenue in between Granville and Standale. Um, you can go to the website and get directions there. It's molkerorchards.com. That's M-O-E-L-K-E-R. Um, a lot of stuff going on today, horse-drawn wagon rides and pumpkins and, of course, warm donuts and cold cider are always a good part of the fall. Yum. And, and for you tree huggers out there, um, we've got a 300-year-old black walnut here. No way. You can't get your arms around it, uh, it takes several people to get their arms all the way around it.
0: That tree must make a huge mess, Tom, doesn't it? It
9: it does, uh, every other year is kind of how it bears, um. And this year was an on-year. We've got uh, walnuts all over the place. We pick a lot of them up just to get them off the yard. But
7: uh, wow. there's always
9: some left, and it's a healthy tree. I mean, wow. it's, it's 17 feet around it. It's, it's a beautiful canopy, and uh, leaves are all yellow right now. So it's, uh, it's beautiful.
0: i got to stop by and get a picture of that. Tom, how old did you say that was? It's over 300 years old. Wow, wow, wow. fabulous. All right. Well, Tom, uh, thanks for everything you do, and I hope you have a very su- successful day. To, uh, thanks for taking time out on a busy day for you. Uh, and and the website again, Tom? The
9: website is molkerorder.com.
0: Top to do, and uh, best wishes to you today.
9: Thank you very much. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate
0: that, Tom, a true entrepreneur. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. That amazes me, uh, Mike, that uh, those bees uh, know where to go at night to you know hang out and rest and, and so if you're a beekeeper what you got to do is you got to collect them at night.
4: Actually, you to get close, your rental back, right? Yeah, you do. You close your bees up at night to move them, in. I did that for a while. I pollinated orchards. Okay, and that's all. That's a hard job. That's really really hard to do. Bees don't like being confined. They don't like being transported. And when you set them off in the guy's orchard. Um, they're mad. They're just, they're not happy. Really? Well, if
3: you shove me in a box and put me in your trunk, I'd probably be a little mad too. So, so
4: my, my hat's off to people who still pollinate. It's a huge business. It's the reason we have commercial beekeepers is sure. because of pollination. And then you go back at night when their pollination contract is done and you, you screen them up, you load them back onto the truck and haul them out of there. Yeah. And then when the bees arrive at the new location in the morning, they do an orientation flight. They, they realize they're not where they were the day before. And so they fly out and they fly around and they go, oh, there's my home. And then they come back. They orient themselves to the sun. And uh, they know where their hive is in relationship to the sun. And they look for landmarks.
0: Fascinating. Yeah. They can't use Google Maps, so they got to <laughs> no, have something, don't. right? They don't. All right. Let's talk to Margaret in Montague next. Margaret, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show.
6: Good morning. Good morning. I am just... Wondering um, if you can give some information about wintering over in Michigan.
0: Wintering bees over? Mm-hmm. The best way to do it? Mm-hmm. All right, we, uh, give us a Reader's Digest version. Well, I mean, what are things you got to think about, Mike?
4: Well, there are a lot of things you have to think about. First of all, is what have you done for mite control? That's number one. Second is what uh, what's the situation in terms of honey storage? Do they have enough food to get through the winter? Location is important.
1: Purchase necessary' Void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details um,
4: am I going to be exposed to winter winds should I surround that hive with insulation and black tar paper um, I've done all of these things right now really you should be feeding your bees you should be providing them with a sugar syrup solution so that every little nook and cranny in that hive is filled with some kind of food for those bees while the weather is good we can do that we can provide them with a one part sugar two or three parts water solution in a top feeder has to be a top feeder or else robbing will start from yellow jackets and other hives um, make sure every little nook and cranny is full and i think you'll find good survivability that way might control though is key
0: um, mike for margaret's uh purposes here and great question margaret uh breeding like if you want to read more about this any idea on best resource? I mean, you talked about being part of a bee club and yes. shadowing someone, but if you were to read about this, what, what do you think is a good... good I would reference?
4: suggest, well, you know, it depends where you are in your beekeeping journey. If you're a beginner, you should be reading very basic books. Uh, there's a uh, website, it's called Wickwas Press, W-I-C-W-A-S Press.com. They offer bee books, and they offer... Books for beginners, books for intermediate. Um, and I think I've, I would push you that way. And look at the very basic, basic books. There's a really good book out by uh, Dr. Dewey Karen, and it's Honeybee Biology. That I think is the best book on the market right now. It's about $35 or more. But it's an excellent book that you should have at your in your resources.
0: Okay, so for our listeners scrambling for a pen or for Margaret, <laughs> that was Wick was, So that's W
4: I C W A S W A S W-A-S. Press dot
0: Okay, so Wickwas Press right. I didn't com. name it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm like I, <laughs> I don't know. Where the not even going to go from, down that right, road. Right. Does, does that help you out, Margaret?
6: Yeah, it does. I've been doing it uh, three years or so. I lost a couple hives, a couple years in a row. Okay.
4: And Margaret, Um, are you part of a local club?
6: I am not, but I I do still shadow a experienced beekeeper. Very good.
4: Very good. And what do they do for mite control? Do you know?
6: Um, We are we do natural things. Okay. um, Essential oils. Okay. And I just pumped probably a gallon of, uh, uh, essential oil mix into them the last month and a half or so. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping that that helps out the mites and, and then, um, I, I, online, I, um, follow the fat bee man.
0: Oh, the fat bee man oh
4: she's describing me but
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey Margaret thank you for your call we appreciate it and thank you for your support of the flowerland show
6: thank you
0: thank you all right have a great uh great Saturday we're gonna take a quick break cultivate a little commerce it's all the buzz the flowerland show thanks for tuning us in Rick Doug Christie on your Saturday morning we'll be right back stay tuned
1: This is the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio.
0: All right, when push comes to shovel, we're here for you. The Flowerland Show on your Saturday morning. Special guest, Mike Connor from Honey Tree Arborist Services. He's an arborist tree physician and found one of the founders, of the Grand Rapids B Club as a matter of fact Mike a, a shout out to your partner you are one of the founders
4: I am one of the founders yes and I don't want him to beat me about the head and neck again <laughs> because it's really Mark and Ryan Stewart father and son team and I got together to start the Grand Rapids Club Okay All right how many years that. ago was that That was 3 years ago 3 years ago Yeah and we we meet now with the Cascade um uh, is it the Cascade Winery or the Cascade Distillery? I I'm sorry to you folks. There's out alcohol there. involved. There's who cares? Alcohol involved. That's right. <laughs> we'll Everybody that will be up. there. <laughs> we're we're meeting there, and uh, if you will send me an email, anyone interested, we can get you that address.
0: Oh, very cool. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Our number here on the Flowerland. Show. let's talk to Aaron in Spring Lake. Aaron, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you, Aaron?
6: Uh. Thank you for taking my call. It's not about bees. Is that okay? Oh, that's fine. perfectly
0: no. fine. <laughs> what do you What do you want to talk about this morning, Aaron?
6: Well, I have a three-season porch with a lot of plants on it. I move them in in the winter. But I have a hibiscus that's probably about six or seven feet tall. And I usually move it in in the winter. But um, one side of it is really leggy. The tallest side of it, there's probably... Two, three feet before there's any kind of uh leaves or and it always flowers beautifully but i'd kind of like you just cut it down
0: absolutely and and okay. no problem yeah. with doing that erin uh, okay. a
3: lot of people cut back these tropical type plants like mandevillas and, and hibiscus and that type of thing because it's easier for the plant to get through our low light to dry super dry winters okay. with less less foliage to support
6: Okay, now what if I leave it
3: on the sun porch? It's not heated, but it's... That's probably not going
0: to work, Uh, Erin. You know, we had a warm winter last year. They're
3: not saying that for this year, though. Yeah,
0: I I think your odds are probably pretty low. Mm -hmm. Okay. If it's unheated, I would say pretty low on a tropical hibiscus.
6: Okay, then I think I'll go and
0: hack away at it. Yeah, feel free to prune <laughs> yeah.
3: and and you know not. You can get some nice shape out of it then too. You can reshape it to because you know when right. you first get a hibiscus, they're shaped so nicely. Well,
0: and that's the point—not right. to get into the weeds here, Aaron. But all plants have a growth hormone called auxin, and it has okay. a- apical what they call apical dominance. In other words, it works to the tip of the plant. When you prune it back, you're going to force fuller and outward growth on that plant.
6: Okay, and okay. that's what I'm looking for because yep. it's really lopsided. So thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's go to Holland and talk to Wade next. Wade, good morning. Yeah, good morning. How can we help you, Wade? Well,
10: I'll tell you. I received uh, what they call a um, azalea tree. You know, last year just before Christmas, beautiful plant stands over two feet high. I did call a local. Uh, Person here in Holland and asked you know later on this spring what I could do with it if I could plant it outside and she said she thought it would work so it did it looks it looks beautiful you know it it survived the summer really well Um, I'm wondering if uh, if I pot it and take it inside if uh, I can expect it to boom some say that will work and some say it doesn't Uh, if I I, if
2: I I if I had a tree zilly that's exactly what I would do okay. I would pot okay, it back what, up and bring it inside, and hopefully it set buds already this fall for this spring. And Once you get it back into the warm season, it should it should open up.
8: Is it uh, too early to
10: bring it in, or should I do it about now?
2: No, you can do it any time. I mean, you've got another oh, month to okay. do it. I mean, it can handle some cold temperatures. I just wouldn't leave it out there okay. all winter long.
10: All right. No, no. That, I wanted to bring, but I wondered if you know, it had to come in before the frost or yeah, whatever. Typically,
2: that's going to be a zone 6-7 plant, so yeah, you'd want to bring that inside, I would think.
10: Okay, that's what I was wondering. It it was
0: a beautiful Yep,
2: so today's going to be a great day. Dig it up, leave it outside for another week, you know. In the
0: pot? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thank you. Thanks for your call, Wade. Appreciate it. Steve in Grand Rapids next. Steve, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show.
8: Oh, this is wonderful, (laughs) wonderful, wonderful. Hey, I got a question about garlic. I got my garlic uh, in the mail the other day. I don't know if I can say the garlic uh, company's name on on the air. But anyway, um, the first time I'm going to do this, actually I've been planting garlic all the time and stuff like that. But then, uh, their instructions said something about um, soaking the garlic in a sterilizer like vodka and helps reduce the normally occurring good and bad microorganisms that are naturally carried with the garlic. You guys ever, uh, Have you guys ever heard about anything like this before?
0: No, not no. not vodka. I mean, your garlic's going to be happy going in the ground, but other than <laughs> that, that's would what you, I use mine for. <laughs> why would you waste good
8: vodka? <laughs> <laughs> you would think if they well, sent it to good. you, that would already it be also, done. Yeah, it also said hydrogen peroxide.
0: You uh, know, man. I'm thinking that there are a lot of natural organic microorganisms in the soil which are beneficial. Correct and uh, i would i would recommend against that now we do that with for example paper white narcissus we'll put a little shot of vodka in with the water you know a little shot for me little shot for the plant and it stunts their growth but never stunted my growth <laughs> But I think I, it, you know, if you've been planting garlic for a number of years, Steve, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. I, I don't think I'd go the vodka route. Sounds expensive it's, to me.
3: Well, too. and it sounds
8: weird. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Well, they also say they also say before you plant, it says soak the garlic cloves in a container, a bucket with one tablespoon of fish emulsion or similar product and one tablespoon of baking soda, and fill the container with water. Soak the garlic from fifteen minutes to overnight. The more that the garlic, yeah,
3: well, the the, the fish emulsion is a food, and baking soda in some situations can be a natural fungicide.
0: Steve, you are a kick in the plants, man. Good luck with that garlic. (laughs) Okay. Enjoy your week. Thank you very much. All right. Yep. Sit back, have a little bit of vodka, and watch that garlic grow.
2: That's what Christy plans on doing. We're
0: going to talk more bees (laughs) in the next hour. Mike Connor is going. Can you stick around, Mike? Okay. Okay. Good. Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services. He'll join us.
6: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: my entrepreneur friends. The news next here on News Radio Wood 1300 106.9 FM.
1: These guys have been decomposing for years. The Flowerland Garden Show is playing live on See News tree, Radio Wood 1300 grown, and 106.9 it
0: FM. Okie dokie, artichokey, it's the Flowerland Show. Boy, a blast from it the past she to what? start <laughs> off the second so hour. Haven't you ever heard this song before? Hang on a minute, John. Time. Is it... Um, what is it is it Bobby Sherman you the got the first name right Bobby the snow away, so Ah, what it is it
9: Goldsboro, Goldsboro. Bobby oh, Goldsboro wow, is A blast who is
0: that <laughs>
4: all excited, and, and we're herself. playing this
0: John Y I till I cry. well the title of the song is honey oh there you go <laughs> all right 774-2424 <laughs> <four>, 24, 24, <laughs> our number here on the flowerland show Stretching the song. boundaries of creativity. Whoa. Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services. He's an arborist, a tree physician, and uh, one of the co-founders of the Grand Rapids Thank Bee you. Club. He's been a beekeeper for 50 years and a tree grower since high school. Uh, I tell you what, uh, you've been a busy guy, Mike. I have been A beezy guy.
4: A busy guy. Yeah.
0: 774-2424, our number Let's get right back into the phone calls. All right, let's okay. do that, and then we'll have some more questions for you in this hour. Also, our entrepreneur of the week, uh, guys, and and Doug, uh, Doug tied me into this. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Malcolm Applegate. <laughs> That's not a real name.
3: <laughs> yes, yes, it is.
0: He's our entrepreneur of the week. We're going to talk about I don't him. Know if he you, is. Don't, you don't want to miss this story. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Uh, our number here on the flower Land Show. Oh, yeah, shiny thing. Hang on. Um, let me find it. Take wow. those
2: earrings off, Christy. Got them. I got to
3: quit
0: dangling them <laughs> yeah, in front of him. He gets, he gets, gets distracted. The, uh, the gentleman who called in the first hour about his cannas and distributing them to friends so that they had to deal with them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was shared with me this past week. You've heard, that, of course, the term white elephant. White elephant. refers to an extravagant but burdensome gift that cannot be easily disposed of. (laughs) And that's what his call made me think of that. It's based on the legend of the king of, is it Siam or Siam. Siam? Siam, right? Yes. The king of Siam gifting rare albino elephants to people who had displeased him that they might be ruined by the animal's upkeep costs. So that's where the phrase so, white elephant comes from. So Thank every
3: you. every time somebody gives me an old card restore, basically it's a white elephant because a it white costs elephant.
0: Yes. And now you gotta deal with it. Yeah. Seven seven four twenty four twenty four, a number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's take another B call here. Amy from Grand Rapids is calling in for Mike Connor. Amy, good morning.
6: Good morning to Mike and all of you at the Flowerland Show. Thank
0: I you know very Mike. much.
6: You bet. Um, I met Mike through the uh, Grand Rapids Bee Club, and um, he started talking about uh, robbing. I don't know how much he has said, but basically, I just would like to ask if he would um, talk a little bit more about some general bee behavior, uh, what robbing is, why it happens, um, and maybe a few general things about honey, the benefits of it. Sure. So many of us hear about save the bees, but but really, uh, I think if we if we knew a few more other things about bees and just how um, how they work together. Uh, sure.
0: Well, let's let's talk today. about the uh, let's talk about the criminal element first. The robbing.
4: Oh, the robbing
0: characteristic of bees. To, uh, Amy's asking about robbing. What's that all about?
4: Well, hi, Amy.
6: Hi, Mike.
4: How are you? Here. <laughs> this is not a planted call, by the way, Rick.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm like, would you guys like to chat for a little while yeah, yeah. Yeah. go get a cup of coffee? How's, how's the family? No. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Amy, that's a great question. Uh, I had one of the club members contact me the last couple of days. They've lost a colony because of robbing. And robbing is when your bees are so strong in some colonies, and then there are other colonies that are weak. And the strong are now not able to find nectar or pollen anywhere and they're flying around and they can smell the honey in someone else's hive and they will overpower that colony and go in and steal the honey out and take it to their hive. Unfortunately, as I'm sure you know, the strong ones are the ones that will take out the weak ones and the weak ones may be weak because they have disease or mites and uh, we end up with what's called a varroa or a mite bomb, where all these diseased bees are being robbed and the mites are jumping into those strong colonies, and and it would be your strong colonies that die from mite predation and mite diseases. So robbing can be a real problem. It's not just from other fellow honeybees, but it's also from yellow jackets. I was just talking to a gentleman last night who has yellow jackets in his hive. And the yellow jackets will go in, and they will also start to rob, um, taking away that honey that the bees have worked so hard for. So what we have to do is we have to restrict the entrances so that the bees, even if they're weak, can guard it, protect it, and keep those yellow jackets. We want to reduce the openings. I just thought of something. Oh, no. Anyway, you want to keep the entrances down (laughs) so that they can guard those entrances. Really, truly, Mike, you
0: know what you call that? Home land security.
2: Oh, Humland security.
4: That is a
0: good one. That's write that one down. That's so you find good. some
2: of the holes in the beehives too large and too many. Too many. That's too many. Right.
4: That's right. Too too large. Too many. Some people will prop the uh, top of their hive up, take the cover off, and prop it up for ventilation, and that's a good thing to do. But right now, that's direct access for other bees to go in. So, Amy, what I hope that answers that question. Uh, is there another question that you had there? She was talking about the benefits. The benefits of honey. Oh, well, we can hardly start on the benefits <laughs> of honey. Of course, I'm a big uh, big uh, promoter of local honey because that benefits the local beekeepers. If the local beekeepers can't make a dime on their bees, then they're not going to keep their bees, and their bees won't pollinate your garden for free. So you need to support the local beekeeper. Here, here,
0: I agree. Support local
4: business. Support the local business, Mm -hmm. that's right. So you need to be buying your honey locally, not for you, Amy, but for everyone else listening, to promote the local beekeeper. And I like to see people consume what I call raw honey. That's honey that hasn't been heated above a certain temperature, like 120, and they're getting the local pollen then. If you eat honey every day, you're consuming some of the local pollen in small quantities every day, and you're building up some immunity to those things you may be allergic to. So that's something that we always promote. And I have a most of my customers, in fact, are homeschool moms who feed it to their kids. And they claim I'm not a doctor, don't pretend to be one, but they claim they have good success in getting their kids immunized against the effects of allergies. So thank you, Amy.
0: Yeah, thank you, Amy. Thanks for your call. Appreciate that. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's talk to Brian in Jenison next. Brian, good morning. Well, good morning. How can we help you, Brian?
5: Well, uh, uh, first time caller, long time listener. My, My wife, Judy, and I need a education.
0: Thank you very much.
5: We have uh, some arborvitae have bushes that serve as a hedge. They're probably two stories tall. Wow! And uh, we're watching the snows in the winter kind of bend them over, and we're afraid we're going to lose them. We're wondering if uh, if we can top them off to shorten them, or how can we increase?
0: Uh, the life of our bushes. Okay. Well, Doug, uh, this is something we deal with uh, all the time with arborbikes. We do,
2: yeah. And as they get that size, their age gets older, and you see more wear and tear, dead uh, foliage inside them, and you start to see them get a little bit thinner. Um, The problem with trimming them this time of year, you know, say you want to take 10 feet off, uh, they're going to look terrible for the next, you know, six, eight months, you know, maybe even a couple years. Uh, what you really want to do is keep them tied up as well as you can for that, that snow load and then continue to, to watch those that uh, continue to fall off or, or maybe go a little bit more sideways, just take those right out. But uh, yes, you can trim.
0: And generally, Brian, uh, the time of year we like to do that is in June because the, uh, the arborvitae will flush new growth at that point. So it's something you might want to avoid right now, but put it on your calendar for next June. Then you can cut them back. You just got to be willing to live with the ugly for a little well, bit. The
2: nice thing about doing it this time of year, though, you're, you're leaving some of that pressure. That is you true. Know, that's the one that thing. You get true. a little bit ahead of the game if you don't mind look.
0: Yeah. yeah.
10: So if we don't care if it look, look a little ugly, we could do it now. You
2: yes. could. Yes. yes. You know, one thing about evergreens, they are forgiving. They don't mind being trimmed just about any time.
10: Wonderful.
0: Good luck to you, Brian. Thank you very much for your call. Appreciate that. 774-2424, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's uh, take a quick break to cultivate a little commerce, and then, uh, boy, we got people calling in from Byron Center to Rockford to New Wago. That's somebody here who wants to perform a bee song, another one with a riddle about bees. <laughs> They're coming out of the hive this morning there, Mike. Oh, no. <laughs> hey, want to remind people the... Uh, uh, Michigan football game against Penn State. That's a big uh, national consequences to that game. From Happy Valley, the pregame is at 6:30. The game at 7:30. Right here on News Radio Wood 1300 106.9 FM. We're gonna buzz out a minute. Be right back. Stay tuned.
1: you plant it mow it or grow it they know it now more of rick doug and christie and the flowerland garden show on wood radio
0: all right you my friend are in for a root awakening it's the flowerland show on your saturday morning rick Vice here doug christie seated (laughs) alongside left to right across your radio dial Doug, get off the counter. Hey, it's our song, Rick. Every time we do the Bee Gees, Doug can't help but dance here in the studio.
2: Can't turn it off.
0: That's classic material right there, folks. Classic. Here on the Flowerland Show, Mike Connor, our special guest, Honey Tree Arborist Services. Mike, there are a number of people on hold who want to talk about bees, so let's dive right right back into it. Uh, Don in Nuevo is up next. Don, good morning. You're on the Flowerland show.
5: Hi, my name's Don. Don Benson. Uh, my uh, wife wrote this song, and I put it to music, and uh, it's available on Facebook at Don Benson Late Bloomer. But I'll play it for you live right now. Oh, really? Yeah, honey bee, honey bee <laughs>
7: won't you be my honeybee? That's good. Buzz
5: around, <laughs> buzz around, buzz
4: around all over town. Doug is dancing. <laughs> I could fly to the sky
5: if you'll be my honeybee. Love so sweet and kisses sweet.
0: Hey Don, let me uh, let me cut you off there. That's re- Don. Hello, checking one. He's going to keep right on yeah. going. All right, Don. Thanks for sharing that with us. Wow, that have you ever had anybody I've, I've, serenade you like that?
4: Not recently.
0: Wow, that, that was, was great. Thank you, Don. That was really well done. I tell you, the listeners we have on this show, the talent is amazing. It's amazing. Doug in Rockford is next. Doug, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show.
10: Thank you for taking my call. I, w- w- another piece of information is we used to live right next door to the fruit basket on the north side, way up in the top of the hill. Oh, yeah. And Mr. Toonster was uh, when he built it.
0: Wow. Uh,
10: hey, here, here's my riddle for you. Okay. Why do bees buzz?
0: Why do bees buzz? Mike, do you know the answer to that?
4: I wouldn't even try. Really? (laughs) Why do you think they buzz, Rick?
10: So would you if somebody stole your honey and nectar.
0: Oh. 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 (laughs) Does he get a hive five for that one? A hive five, yeah. Yeah.
8: Thank
10: you for entertain my wife and I we love to to listen to your program and uh, and we've listened to you for years
0: and well Doug we we appreciate I had, it I, today was the perfect opportunity
3: to use <laughs> you may never get another chance
4: you've <laughs> held on to that for a long time haven't you thank you
0: <laughs> Doug thank you very much for your support we appreciate it 7742424 number see the look at the talent that comes out of the woodwork here mike
4: it, it is amazing i
0: deal with this every week <laughs> let's try joanne and byron center joanne good morning you are on the flowerland show
6: thank you i'm not quite so talented as these other gentlemen oh don't sell
0: yourself <laughs> short there joanne what's on your mind
6: well i have noticed well, this spring i didn't see very many bees around and i was worried and now now i've got honeybees all around um, I've got hyssop and bee bomb, and, you know, that attracted them, but I don't know of anybody around here who has a hive. Are they wild
5: ones?
4: Actually, you, you bring up a good point. Are they wild? Probably not. Most of our wild honeybees are gone because of mite infestations. Uh-huh. We will find a honeybee colony in a, in a house or in the side of like flower land or uh, <laughs> yeah, we'll, find them, uh, we'll find them in trunks uh, of trees. And most of those die out in the winter and uh, from mites. And we'll see in the spring more bees going in and out because they're robbing out the honey that's there. And maybe a swarm will move back in in the summer. So it looks like we have continuous habitation. But uh, we don't have very many feral or wild honeybees left there are a lot of people in the Byron Center area that have honeybees, ah. and
6: uh, well, then how far do they travel?
4: A normal a normal flight for a bee would be about three miles.
0: So, oh, yeah. so now, yeah, Joanne, you bring yeah. up a great question here that I've got to ask because, for for folks listening at home who don't know much about bees, Mike, honeybees are not indigenous. To no. the united states
4: no they're not
0: and so the point here is when you go on the road or you travel one of the big things in your itinerary is to determine where you're going to sleep that night it may be an airbnb oh
3: you oh.
0: <laughs> but oh wow i didn't see that coming thank you very much i like to catch you it's like getting hit
3: by a semi truck you just get blindsided <laughs>
0: but i think joanne's point is fabulous here mike in that So they're not indigenous. Winter is coming. Where do you hang out? What do you do? I mean, where do you check in for winter? In a log? In leaf litter? Where do you hang out?
4: If you're talking honeybees, okay, you're going to stay in the colony in which the beekeeper maintains you.
0: Right. And so where's the colony going to be?
4: The colony will be uh, in in apiaries, in bee yards, in Mm -hmm. someone's backyard where they have that hive of bees.
0: But in some cases... In an area where you least expected it, like the sidewall of a Flowerland store.
4: I've heard that happen. It happened. I I had
3: friends who didn't realize they had a beehive in their wall until they started flying out through the electric plate cover.
4: (laughs) Yeah, and, and that's a good point because we will get calls. I have honeybees in my house. And almost always it's Yellow Jackets, yeah, which are a lot. Oh,
3: we had a beekeeper come, yeah. and they, they actually took this they out took of their out. house. It's yeah. quite a process. It, it was like, but it encompassed like three sets of two-by-four sections. Right, it's, like, it it's was quite huge. a
4: process, and it can be a lot of fun. I don't do those myself personally, but at the club we have a, a list of referrals. The, the problem with honeybees in someone's house is that their first tendency is, well, I'm going to spray them. I'm going to kill them. Right. And then you end up with the equivalent of a dead horse in your walls. Yeah, yeah. Terrible smell Huge. because all that brood dies. Yep. And then the neighboring bees all come in because that colony is dead and they want to steal the honey. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, you've probably just poisoned your neighbor's bees also because of the pesticide you used. So we so do call recommend... call someone
0: on the referral list. Call
4: a beekeeper, find out what the proper steps are, and sometimes we just tell people, leave them alone. Yeah. You know, they'll die out in the wintertime. Leave them alone.
0: All right. Harold's calling from Ludington. He has a joke. I'm afraid to do this, Harold. Oh, no. <laughs>
5: yes. Yeah.
0: What's your joke, Harold?
5: What do you call a 100-year-old conifer that has an opinion?
0: A hundred year old conifer that has an opinion. I pine for, I pine for your answer, Harold. What is it? Yeah, pretty
10: close. An old pine.
0: An old oh, pine. pine. Thank you very much, Thank you Harold. For that yep. Up there in Ludington. What's that? Oh, his opinion. Oh, opinion. Very well done. Nicely done. Our number here on the Flowerland show. I think I got a moment here yet, so let's go to Doug's hometown and talk to John in Jenison. John, good morning.
5: Yes, I have a bunch of uh, lavender plants in pots, different (laughs) kinds of lavenders and a delphinium and some hostas, and they're all in pots. And I was wondering. How, how would I store those in the pots during the winter? I don't want to put them in the ground because every time I put lavender or something like that in the ground, uh, something eats it right to the ground, even if I have, have a fence around it, they still get to it.
0: Well, my my recommendation, if you have that problem, would be chicken wire. That's yeah. what I would do, not fencing, but chicken wire. And as far as the plants are concerned, Doug Christie Roots cannot be above ground in winter. We've got to sink them.
3: We've got to sink them. Even if you're just doing it in a temporary spot. um, I'm with Rick. I would bury the chicken wire down a couple inches into the soil, put wooden stakes around it, put a couple inches into the soil, and and use that as a protection, a little mulch over top of them um, to keep them going. But that's going to be your best bet. Keeping them above ground is not an option okay
0: thank yep. you you're welcome and doug you know uh you don't necessarily have to take them out of the pot you can just you can leave them in the, in the pot.
2: pot yeah yeah let, let uh, mother nature give you that protection with a snowfall and uh the ground yeah absolutely
0: Seven seven four twenty four twenty four is our number we'll break here at the bottom of the hour for news on news radio with 1300 1069 fm coming up in the next half hour more with mike connor One- step into
1: the world of power loyalty Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday,
10: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the
1: Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
6: VTW Group, no purchase necessary. where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.
0: The, uh, one of the founders of the Grand Rapids Bee Club and a beekeeper for 50 years. It's all the buzz, the Flowerland Show. Make sure to join us for the next half hour and our Entrepreneur of the Week, Good old Malcolm Applegate. We'll talk about him, too. The news is next. Stay tuned.
7: You know the rules, and so do I.
1: This is the Flowerland Garden Show on Wood Radio.
0: All right, don't operate by the seed of your plants. That's why we're here to talk you through it. The Flowerland Show. Rick, Doug, Christie. Two fun guys in a crackpot. And a little bit of humor thrown in that isn't too shabby. Thank you. How much longer do we have to do this, Doug? (laughs) Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services. He's an arborist tree physician. That's a tough word for me to say. Physician. And I have not been drinking. (laughs) Physician, founder of the Grand Rapids Bee Club, beekeeper for 50 years, growing trees since high school, and there were folks asking Mike how they get a hold of you, and here you have it: Honey Tree Nursery at yahoo.com. Right,
4: and please don't be afraid to send me an email. Okay, it's so okay. I do look at them on occasion.
3: Despite what people say. <laughs> me too, <laughs> on occasion.
0: <laughs> send your emails to Mike Honey Tree Nursery. At yahoo.com. As a matter of fact, you just caused me to think of something. Doug, uh, what is that number right there?
2: 12,255.
0: That's how many emails are in my inbox right now.
2: I have 19,000.
0: You think I'm going to get to them, Mike? I don't think so. (laughs) There's there's this
3: thing called delete. (laughs)
0: 774 our number here on the Flowerland Show. Do you remember? I just thought of it this morning. As a kid, we would eat this cereal called
3: honeycomb.
0: You remember that? I do. Do you still eat it? Uh, no. Oh. <laughs> I don't know if it contains honey. <laughs> Is that honey. the one
3: with the bear? I don't know. It looks like a honeycomb, It right? looks like yeah, a honeycomb. That's the
4: thing, Right. Yeah. I don't know if it has any actual honey in it, though.
3: Yeah, that just popped into Yeah, don't. Sure. Oh, no, that's honey grams. No? No. Teddy Grahams—that's what I'm grams. thinking of. Teddy Grahams. I've I've
0: stopped doing that when grocery shopping, uh, looking at what's actually in it because it just depresses me. I end up leaving with nothing. <laughs> so, enough, I know. You know, seven seven four twenty four twenty four. Our number here on the Flowerland Show. Kim in Kentwood is next. Kim, good morning. You are on the Flowerland Show.
6: Good morning. How are you today?
0: Stand grounded, Kim. What's going on?
6: Well, hey, I've been listening to your show this morning, and I enjoy everything that you guys do every Saturday morning. But I have a quick question um, for Mike. I know you've been talking immensely about honeybees this morning, but I was just wondering if you're going to mention uh, at all the importance of our native bees, like our spring mason bees and our summer leafcutter bees that we also have here in Michigan that also play us huge that, role in pollination.
0: That is a fantastic comment, Kim. And of course, Mike, they're very important.
4: Very important. And I appreciate the call because I've been waiting for the opportunity to jump in about our <laughs> native bees. Thank you. Well, yeah, yep. you're
6: welcome. I've been listening and I've been waiting too. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make a call and ask. So. Well,
4: thank you very much. Native bees are very, very important and uh, they're very adapted to our native flowers. And the reason we talk about honeybees because we you know, honeybees are domestic animals and they really pollinate our domestic crops. And, uh, you know, apples are not native and we need honeybees to pollinate our our apples and uh, um, our blueberries and our cherries and all those things. And those plants that we need large numbers of bees early in the spring. Okay. And it's the honeybee that's the only animal out there that can do that effectively. Now we can talk about... uh, Mason bees and uh, blue orchard bees, and they're also very, very good at pollinating. And uh, the problem is we just don't have the numbers that we need. But I say that because um, that's why we have honeybees. But the native bees are very, very important for pollinating native plants. They're very important for pollinating your gardens. Um, Some are very, very specific to what they will pollinate. Yes. And what I like to do is I like to tell people who are interested in honeybees or what can I do to help the bee. Well, you know, you can have honeybees, but that doesn't help bees any more than raising chickens helps save the Kirtland warbler. You know, it's just, <laughs> right. it's just not related. But. But if you want to help the bees, you've got to start looking at habitat.
0: That's been heavy on my mind, that Kirtland uh, warbler. That Kirtland warbler. Yeah, but like let's just, sleepless <laughs> night Let's just
4: pretend, Rick, you wanted to save the Kirtland warbler. Yes. What would you have to do? Would you Would you keep chickens? Uh, no. 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 But you would go out I'd and I'd learn would provide, about the
0: Kirtland warbler. Yeah,
4: and you would provide <laughs> habitat for the Kirtland warbler. You'd want to plant more dead pine. You'd want to plant more jack pines. That's right. That's right. Or you'd want to protect the jack pines that are there. And the honeybee and the native bees, you know, when you protect the honeybee, you protect the native bees. When you protect the native bees, you protect the honeybee. So they're all interrelated. And right now, agricultural products or agricultural crops are are monocultures and they are crops that bees of any sort don't need to pollinate. Corn, wheat, soybeans, they're not dependent. And right. as the bee goes from one honey source to another, they almost have to carry a lunch with them because there's nothing in between. So, right. yeah, and so what we found is that most bees, both native and honeybees, benefit from trees. And that's, that's my message. It's trees. You know, what's out there first in the spring? Trees. Yeah. And uh, red maples, silver maples, willows, alders, black locusts, uh, sumacs. You know, it's a matter of quantity. You can have in your garden a few flowers, and your garden may produce ounces of nectar and grams of pollen, but a tree can produce hundreds of pounds of nectar and hundreds of pounds of pollen. Well, trees
0: are very effective because we're talking about Vertical,
4: going vertical,
0: as opposed to horizontal like clover.
4: Yep, it's a matter of scale. It's a matter of scale. So I encourage people to plant trees and create habitat for wild bees. Um, There are uh, over 400 varieties of wild bees in Michigan alone, and uh, some are very specific, some have great life cycles, and they're all beneficial. And by the way, folks, most of our native bees don't sting. You know, you can pick them up. They don't. You've uh, got to make them sting if, if you can. you got to tick them off, it. right? You've got to tick them off. you got to tick right.
0: them off. Hey, Kim, uh, I appreciate your call on native bees. And uh, by the way, native bees, when they travel and go on vacation, you know where they go? No, where? sting Stingapore, Sting-a-pore.
4: <laughs> <laughs> I like I'm that. I'm sorry, oh, Kim.
0: <laughs> we some great jokes this morning. Thanks for your call, Kim. We appreciate it. Great, uh, Great input. Thank you very much. <laughs> Seven seven four twenty four twenty four, our number here on the Flowerland Show. Let's talk to Rosie and Ada. Rosie, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Hi, Rosie. What's up?
6: Hi, I have a wisteria tree that was purchased as a purple color. It bloomed the first season white, died. It took about ten years for it to grow back and it bloomed purple finally.
2: What's up with that? Typically, plants don't change color. There must be a, uh, uh, a white um, like plant a in the... grafted or... Yeah. And, yeah, is what I'm thinking. In other words... Uh, because it's parent, not a pH but, issue. It's not, right. you know, one of those deals. So that's that's what I would be looking at.
0: So possibly a graft from and the rootstock... It sounds root like
2: it died back. It had to trauma. To the rootstock. Yeah, yeah and that's, then that's what it
3: sounds purple. like. Okay. But, be happy they're flowering. It's kind of a trick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you like it, Rosie? I love it make it flower more well as far as
0: flowering is concerned sun rosie feed it yes sun feeding is what doug said and the other thing rosie you sound like a very nice person uh you got to be rough with wisterias because they like many vines want to grow and grow in lieu of blooming so in some cases pruning or even root pruning to put the plant under a little stress or a little drought stress Will uh, also induce blooming.
5: Interesting. Thank
0: you. All right. Thank you very that, much, Rosie. That, Appreciate that's it. That's a
2: plant that doesn't mind a good prune. Yes,
0: yeah. exactly. Almost needs it. Yeah. You got to show it who's boss. Correct. Yeah, a little yeah. stress is good for that. Yep, exactly. And uh, as far as the jokes, we'll keep them coming. We'll be here all week. Tip the bartender, please.
3: I won't be here all week. <laughs> <laughs> Table number seven, your pizza's ready. <laughs>
2: You're not going to be in the lounge this weekend, are you, huh? <laughs> Doing yes. karaoke. Yes. The Holiday Inn Holiday. in
0: Goshen, yeah. Indiana. <laughs> Three people. Uh, Patty in Rockford is up next. Patty, good morning. You're on the Flowerland Show. Good morning. Good morning.
6: I uh, called you a couple of weeks ago, and I bought the stuff that you said to buy. and uh, But I don't know when I'm supposed to apply it. It's for the hydrangeas. I bought um, the uh, fertilizer.
0: Okay. What kind of fertilizer did you get, Patty? Telling. Was it Flower Tone? Well, it's
6: in the garage. Um, well, <laughs> and also the, the, I also want to know about grass. It's the uh, triple super phosphate.
3: Yeah, you can, you can put triple super phosphate down anytime because it's a little Are bit you? slow to get into the soil. Okay. Um, I do mine after we get a frost and it knocks all the perennials and foliage back because I use it on everything in the fall. Uh, oh. But you can do that anytime. And oh, Patty, okay. you had a grass question?
6: Well, and I also wanted to know, should we fertilize the grass now
3: or in the spring? Definitely now. Fall is the most important feeding time there is. If you don't fertilize at any other time of the year, this is when you should do it. Okay. Um, later in the season, as long as possible, when the ground is soft, some people will be fertilizing at Thanksgiving time. Oh, well, I was thinking of before tomorrow when it rains. Well, that's fine, too. Well, be
2: careful because mine grew like six inches last week with the rain that we <laughs> yeah. had. So uh, you you might be making it eight inches if that happens. I mean, that stuff is But just it is growing. it is important to feed at this time Absolutely. of year. Absolutely. Okay. Well,
6: we're new. You know how that goes. Okay.
0: Well, enjoy, Patty. Have fun. And thank yeah. you very much for yeah, your thank support. I you. bless uh, you guys for what you do. Thank you very much, Patty. We appreciate it. We'll take okay. a break here on the uh, Flowerland Show. I almost forgot where I was. <laughs> Take a break here on the Flowerland Show. Cultivate a little commerce, and we'll uh, we'll finish up with more of your calls. Mike Connor and our Entrepreneur of the Week, Malcolm Applegate. That's all coming up next here on the Flowerland Show.
1: Wood Radio's Flowerland Garden Show is on the air on News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM.
0: All right, thank you very much for making the Flowerland Show a habit. I just wet my plants. So should you. you will entertain your neighbors. Your hydrangea is going to love it. We'll talk you through it here on the Flowerland Show. Rick, Doug, Christie on your Saturday morning. Mike Connor, our special guest uh, this morning. Let's go back to the phone lines, and we're going to talk to Ralph in Howard City. Ralph, good morning. Good morning. How can we help you, Ralph?
10: Uh, we've got over a 100 hives around here, and uh, <clears throat> I have a question about corn syrup. Mm-hmm. In the wintertime, <clears throat> they put corn syrup in the hives because the bees don't produce honey. Right. So they're <clears throat> ingesting corn syrup. Well, corn syrup's not good for you. My question is that in the spring, <clears throat> uh, the honey that's been generated uh, is that good to eat?
4: Well, you know, and that's a good question, and that comes up quite often because uh, the the cost differential between feeding a bee high-fructose corn syrup, which is 55% fructose, um, as opposed to sugar, you can buy high-fructose corn syrup for about 7 or $0.08 a pound, and sugar is 40 $0.45 a pound. So the beekeeper, as a matter of scale, will feed high-fructose corn syrup to their bees in the fall, but they do it when there are no... Uh, supers on the bees supers are what the surplus honey is stored in and the bees will convert all of that food that's put on in the fall to baby bees or brood in the springtime so there's very very little chance of any of that getting up into the supers which are put on in july or late june Um, it's gone and it's been replaced by uh, by spring flowering uh, trees especially by their nectar um, and most of it is consumed there is always a small chance but it is so small and if the beekeeper has any uh, standard operating procedures at all they're putting the supers on well after it's gone but that's a great question it comes up quite often
10: okay let me let me ask you another question that's related to that yes <clears throat> if you're uh, put bees to pollinate uh, pickle plants yes uh, there's no there's, there's no nourishment for or bees and pickle plants.
4: You are, you are correct. It depends if you're using the determinant or, yeah, it depends on the pickle.
0: So they, have, they, however, might find them delicious. De- oh, delicious. No. No, they do. No.
10: Well, uh, okay, so when you put sugar, <clears throat> is that a liquid sugar or granulated? Is it refined or unrefined?
4: It, it is refined, it is liquid, yet it it's always mixed it is always mixed with water, otherwise the bees take those sugar crystals and they just mm-hmm. pick them up and take them outside, drop them in front of the hive. Okay. But yes, it is, it is mixed with liquid. And your question about pickles, they do not find pickles attractive, which is why when the uh, pollinators go in, when the beekeeper brings in his bees, they, they have them in such high densities and they try to uh, you know, bring them in at night and the bees are going out, pickles are in bloom, and it's like, this is all we've got, folks and uh so the bees will stay on the pickles and just work those pickles uh for a few days until they find another pollen source and that's adequate it's like our orchard uh gentleman was speaking earlier they only need those few days of pollination uh the more times a pickle is visited by a bee the better the shape of the pickle and that's research done by msu same with strawberries the more, the more seeds that are pollinated, the better the shape of the pickle and the better the shape of the strawberry. But you're right. You have to force a bee to work pickles. They don't like it.
10: Fascinating. <laughs> well, I was talking to the the big pickle guy over in Muskegon, Don Swanson. He, I said, what happens if you don't get the pollination on the pickle? He said, well, we get these little... And he put his finger and curled his finger up. You know, like they they just don't extend. Mm. So I guess that's why they do it.
4: That's correct. That's correct. Because every every seed has mm-hmm. to be pollinated, and then the flesh grows around that pollinated seed.
0: Ralph, uh, Ralph, thank you for your call. Great comments. Great questions. Really appreciate that very much. Thank you very much. That's that's interesting. It is. So bees don't relish pickles. Oh. oh right! Oh,
3: I'm not, I'm not trying what, what to be time funny. is it? Is it time to leave yet? Can I go home?
4: <laughs> and, and to you folks out there, he doesn't have these written down either. But
3: but
0: I didn't know that. Really, that that's that is fascinating. It's
3: a it's a bee education. Yes. But they will pollinate banana plants. <laughs> <laughs> wow! But not mushrooms. <laughs> Because mushrooms don't need pollination. They're icky little spore. Yeah, I don't, They're have a fungus. It, I don't have
0: it written down. I averaged a B-plus in school. So <laughs> Now, Malcolm Applegate, he's our entrepreneur of the week. This is a British guy, Doug, that was uh, in the news this past year. Yeah, did everywhere. Did blow you away it to did. see that story? Yeah. Did you see this, Christy?
3: I've never heard. I thought you guys were making the guy's name up. No. So that,
0: that tells you how much I've heard. Malcolm Applegate, uh, he loved to work in his garden. And he just got fed up with his wife nagging him about how much time he spent in the garden. And so finally he had had it with his wife nagging him. He killed him.
3: her and buried her in the garden. <laughs> no, no, no.
0: no. no.
2: This, is a, this is a happy ending.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, Malcolm gets on his bike and says, I've had it, and rides away. Just rides away. Halfway in his trip to London, his bike gets stolen. <laughs> so he walks the rest of the way. And he, he lives in the woods for 10 years between the woods and a uh, homeless shelter in London where he volunteered his time working in gardens and raising money for homeless people for 10 years until finally his sister reconnected with him, got a hold of him on the telly, uh, ten years later, lots of tears. That They thought he was dead. Well, he lived in the woods. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have a phone, <laughs> nor a bike. Nor a bike. And Malcolm shows up ten years later having lived in a homeless shelter, raising money for homeless people, working in community gardens, and all because his wife nagged him to the point about the time he spent in the garden that he just hit the road.
3: So when are you guys going to go move into the woods? <laughs>
0: There's no word about his wife here. And, and well, whether it
2: is, it sound like a second marriage, not that long. It just so. didn't, work out. <laughs> didn't work out. Yeah, they couldn't.
0: couldn't. Where did he run away to? <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's a great story. All right, Entrepreneur of the Week. Hey, can I, uh, one more thing here, by the way, and, and I just thought of this. Uh, Michigan football is coming up uh, later today here on News Radio, Wood 1300, 1069 FM. Michigan playing Penn State. But you know, Mike, bees when they when they want to watch a sporting event, you know what their favorite is? Can you think of it?
4: I don't know. Is this more of your baloney? <laughs>
0: oh,
3: <laughs>
0: they like rugby.
3: <laughs> can we end this now? <laughs> Everything has to be put out of its misery at some point.
0: Mike, a pleasure having you on the show today. And if you want to get a hold of Mike Connor, you can do that honeytree nursery at yahoo.com. Honeytree Nursery at yahoo.com, and you'll take some uh, some emails from folks. I sure will. Right? Thank you very much. And try to uh, respond to them. And if somebody wanted to be a part of the Grand Rapids Bee Club, uh, what does it take for somebody, someone like me to get in? Show up. Really? That's He'll it? show up.
3: Oh, no, no. you got to have stricter policies oh, no, in that no, or you're no. going to have a whole bunch and, of him there's, there. <laughs> there's
0: booze there, too. Oh,
3: okay. So. <laughs> well, I'll show up then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I
4: expect to see all of you there at our next meeting. Also, a quick plug for the Holland Bee Group, which okay. is the, a fantastic group, and the Kalamazoo Bee Club. They're Fabulous. also great local clubs, and uh, if you're near one of those, they're, they are clubs that you should
0: look at. Fantastic. Thank you, Mike Connor, Honey Tree Arborist Services, that's Nursery at yahoo.com. Doug Christie, thank you very much. John Ilk, thank you very much. George Arthur, thank you very much. Most of all, our entrepreneur friends across the rooted plain. Thank you very much for joining us on your Saturday morning. And look for the podcast at myflowerland.com. Sign up for our big holodazzle parties coming up in November, too. We'd love to see you there. Have a great weekend. Take care.